0: Welcome to Condo Insider on Think Tech Hawaii. I'm your host, Attorney Nalan. Joining me today is our guest, Ms. Lori Saiz, one of our state condominium specialists of the real estate branch at the Department of Commerce and Consumer Affairs. Today, we're going to talk about the role and duties of the real estate branch's condominium section, as well as how it can help condominium associations and unit owners and board directors, and how to access its available resources welcome Laurie thank you so much for joining us today thank you Na so um can you help us uh you know tell us a little bit more about you know your affiliated organization what is the role and duties of the DCCA real estate Branch's condominium section Sure.
1: So the condominium section handles the registration of condominium projects and also the registration of condo associations, as well as managing agents and condo hotel operators. And we also provide education to the condominium community. Uh, As you know, condominium associations are set up by law to operate as self-governing entities with minimal government intervention. So the specialists, the condo specialists, provide information and referral services to owners, to the board members, uh, managing agents, about the Hawaii condominium law and other condominium-related issues. And our efforts, um, well, the efforts of the branch are governed by the Condominium Education Trust Fund.
0: Uh, what is the real estate branch's relationship with the uh, real estate commission? Because that's a very common, you know, I mean, authority within the condo industry. Everybody knows about.
1: Right. So basically, the branch assists the commission with its responsibilities and day-to- we do the day-to-day work of the commission. That's the relationship. So a lot of times they kind of interchange, you know, real estate branch and real estate commission.
0: Yeah. So if I uh, understand correct, it's like a corporation where the real estate commission is like the board of directors, but you guys are almost like on the executive branch, like all the officers of the day-to-day operation responsibilities then.
1: Exactly, because the commission meets once a month. um, And yeah, we're here every day, (laughs) Monday through Friday. And we're actually, yes, exactly what you said, we're carrying out the day-to-day duties.
0: I see. So are the real estate commission's role and duties exactly the same as the real estate branch then? Well, I mean, the the
1: commission is responsible on the real estate side. They're responsible for the licensure, education, and discipline of the real estate licensees. And they also register and certify the the pre-licensing schools and the continuing education providers. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the condominium side, again, you know, what I mentioned, the registration of the projects, the associations, and the managing agents, and the hotel operators, and then again, Um, They're responsible for administering the condominium education trust fund. So, yeah, I mean, it's basically
0: the same. I see. So uh, getting to our job title, because we all know there are four actually condominium specialists for state of Hawaii. And uh, can you help us understand better as to, you know, do we contact for a few for the same kind of function or you guys are actually respectively in charge of different areas?
1: Okay, yeah. So, I mean, again, our role is one of education. Um, You know, our mandate is to provide education to the condominium community. And um, as you said, there's four of us. So um, Keaton and Dathan, they focus on developers and projects while uh, Benedine and I focus on condominium governance. So that's that's how it's split in terms of um, what we handle. Great.
0: Thank you. So now we know who to email and who to call. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that will increase your workload, though. (laughs) Well, that's what we're here for. Thank you. So um, pertaining to condominium associations, boards and unit owners, what are the typical matters the real estate branch's condominium section can help with?
1: Well, again, I mean, we're, we're here to answer questions about the condo law and related issues. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, sometimes we'll get calls about board meetings. You know, what are the notice requirements? Um, who can attend the board meeting? Who can participate in the board meeting? Mm-hmm. Or maybe we'll get a question about records. You know, an owner will want, um, a copy of the minutes or the, most recent financial statement. And so they'll call us and ask them, you know, can they get this record? And they'll also call and say, I'm having a problem getting the record. You know, what do I do if my request is denied?
0: Ah, so what is the best way, I guess, uh, to reach your section for help? What's your preferred way? I mean, you know, if you get it.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, I guess whatever's convenient for the person, but it would either be calling us, and our number is 808 586 2644 or they can email us um and our email is hirec which stands for Hawaii Real Estate Commission mm-hmm. at dccca.hawaii.gov
0: and for our audience uh, you can all find this information contact how to contact on their website Yes. Um, yeah so um uh, like for someone who wants help in a typical situation, what initial information or documents they need to provide to be eligible for the help?
1: Well, really, they just need to give us um, a little bit of background, you know, a little bit of a description of their situation and whatever their question is. We we don't need any documents.
0: Uh, so. I mean, I know there are certain associations. Uh, you know, of course, they're registered, but there are also certain condominium associations. They may be exempted from the recordation or registration requirement if it's also a small condominium project, but they're not registered. For them to reach out to our section, would they be able to get help?
1: Yes, I mean, they can still they can still call us and they can still get help. Um, you know, it doesn't matter that they are because they're exempt from being registered by the law. We still help them.
0: Thank you. So yes. what existing resources uh, does the branches condominium section provide to assist associations, boards, and union owners?
1: Well, so, I mean, in addition to, of course, answering questions and providing referrals, because a lot of times people don't know where to call, you know, so we direct them. But we have a ton of resources to help boards and owners. And the best thing is they're all free. <laughs> if you're like me, you like that. That word free. <laughs> but oh, <yeah>. um, <laughs> our website, um, which is uh dot hawaii gov forward slash HIREC. It has a ton of information. I mean, we have over 40 brochures on a variety of topics. Mm-hmm. We have everything from information for prospective buyers, you know, if you're thinking about buying a condominium, to uh, owners' rights and responsibilities. We have one on uh, board members' rights and responsibilities. We have on budgeting, reserve funding, um, insurance special assessments mediation uh legislative updates we do one every year Mm -hmm. so tons of that you know tons of brochures Uh, we also have a video series it's called hawaii condo living guide and it's uh, made up of 15 short videos they're all less than five minutes and they're on a variety of subjects as well and you can watch them 24 7 on our website um, we have an educational event we put on twice a year. It's free and it's called Condorama. Mm -hmm. And we have speakers, um, experts in their field. So it could be like an attorney or, um, you know, an insurance person or a parliamentarian. And they talk about, um, you know, whatever their subject happens to be. Usually it's something current in the news. Like when they had the fire sprinklers, we had the fire chief come. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a Condorama coming up on Saturday, April 29th, so it's in a couple of weeks if anyone's interested. It's going to be by webinar, and it's from 9 to 11, and um, you can register on our website. You can also view past, uh, we record all the speakers, so you can also view past Condorama um, speaker presentations on our website. Uh, we do a quarterly bulletin. Mm -hmm. that we publish and um, you can see that in the past issues on the website. Uh, We do email them to people who've signed up for our uh, condo information emails. So if you're interested in that, you can sign up, you can subscribe. Uh, We send out a quarterly informational email with all kinds of information. And um, we also write a monthly article for Building Management Hawaii Magazine. Uh, we do educational fairs, and we give presentations. Um, we appear on Europe Show, Condo Insider, and um, we subsidize workshops and seminars and newsletters through uh, CAI Hawaii. Thank
0: you. That's a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I know it right. is, and people don't know about it. So I'm. Um, thank you for letting me share.
0: Yeah, so I noticed that, uh, you know, the... The website, your section's website also publishes some uh, non-binding interpretations and memorandums. I think uh, like me, condominium attorney, sometimes when we assist a client, there's always going to be some issue that, you know, it's not very clear cut. It would help be very helpful to get some guidance if this is one of those gray area issue uh, from the section so as to these non-binding interpretations and mammals can you tell us a little bit more about them and when and under what circumstances will the REC usually release such uh, interpretation or mammal to the public
1: so the non-binding interpretations are an informal interpretation of the law And um, the purpose is to provide an informal, uh, speedy, and inexpensive resolution of inquiries uh, where no formal ruling is desired. Mm -hmm. And so they're issued when someone requests one. If someone requests from the Real Estate Commission an informal interpretation of the law or the rules, that's when um, one would be generated. And these, uh, these... uh, non-binding interpretations are recorded in the Real Estate Commission meeting minutes, and they are posted on our website. So that's how people can, you know, view them or find out about them.
0: Uh, so typically, like a uh, for a case like that, uh, from the request time period till you know when uh, when the the interpretation's out, what would be the processing timeframe? That I don't know. Um, it appears, you know, I've seen some from previous years only, not like so, you know, not updated recently. Is it because nobody ever requested <laughs> or, uh, you know, what's the status? It will will be updated if someone did request or how does, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Right. So because the interpretations are driven by, you know, outside parties requesting this information or guidance or clarification, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, If nobody requests anything, then, you know, we might, we're not going to put anything out. So obviously some years would have uh, more requests and some would have less. So that's why, um, you know, that's why the numbers vary. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not sure, did you ask me about updates?
0: Yeah, so you let's say okay. if, if someone did send in, <laughs> so it will, somebody on the, you know, website maintenance side will definitely post new ones there. It's not because it just stopped or there's lack of funding for that. Right, support, right, right.
1: And I guess until the law changes or the commission receives another request to review a prior interpretation, mm-hmm. um, the previous decisions would stand.
0: Ah, I see.
1: And- yeah, we don't generally update them outside of a law change or a request to review a prior decision.
0: Okay, so that means whatever is posted on the website now, it should still be good with the current law, right? Because if the law it, changed you guys would have updated it already or take it off.
1: It should, I think the only... Um, caveat might be if there's something regarding 514a, Mm -hmm. um, because as you know, that, um, that chapter was, um, repealed. I mean, it doesn't exist anymore. Right. Um, so perhaps if there's something still lingering, then, you know, that may not apply. Got
0: it. Um, so um, I guess it's also a good opportunity for us to care some common misconceptions. You know, can you give us some examples of situations where your section constantly receives such inquiries or requests, but it's actually, that won't be something that you guys would be able to help? Well,
1: I mean, I think common misconceptions are that the, the branch or the commission takes complaints. We don't. Um, also, we provide legal advice we don't. Um, people owners sometimes want. You know, they tell us the board is not complying and with the law, and they want us to let the board know um, and to make the board comply. We don't do that. We we don't. We're not an um, an advocate for the owner. We don't enforce. Um, You know, we don't go down and make someone do something. So I think the common misconception that we're going to directly intervene and force a board or owner to do something, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, we receive all kinds of inquiries usually. I mean, it's always a problem, right? People call us when there's a problem, not when things are good. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a problem with another owner or a board member, I mean, a board not allowing owners to participate in board meetings, or maybe the board or the managing agent is not responsive to an owner. Uh, We get leak and water damage complaints. Um, We get a lot of association insurance and deductible complaints. we get complaints about the ward not doing their fiduciary duty, or um, you know, there's conflicts, alleged conflicts of interest, or the board's not treating owners fairly when they enforce the house rules, um, and you know, like uh, by statute our role is education. That's what we're limited to. Um, you know, We're not here to provide legal advice. So I think sometimes people don't understand that and they think we can do more than we can.
0: I see. So I guess for narrow issues like a do- association documents requests, there is an avenue through the uh, RICO office, DCCA, right? The Regulated Industry Complaint Office. Right. That'll be another arm of the DCCA though, not you guys.
1: Right, so, um, you know, if there is someone that requested documents from their association and they didn't receive them, an, an owner, um, they can file a complaint with RICO, as you said. Um, but, you know, again, it's not the real estate branch that takes the complaint, it, it goes to the Regulated Industries Complaints Office, yes.
0: Uh, And now I think uh, we're going to cover the, I guess, the most interesting part a lot of people are wondering about is the evaluative mediation program and also there's also a voluntary binding arbitration program where through the condominium education trust fund, there are some state subsidies for these two programs. Uh, So if you can let us know, you know, for each type, what kind of subsidies available, how to get access to, that would be really helpful.
1: Sure, so uh, for owners and boards, um, board members who are uh, in associations that are registered with the branch or commission, there is a subsidy. This is for um, mediation. Um, There's a subsidy up to $3,000, and that's after each party pays the initial fee to the mediator. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as far as, for the bind, I'm sorry, as far as for the um, binding, arbitration voluntary binding. So again, it's for owners and board members of associations that are registered with the branch. And this subsidy is up to $6,000 mm-hmm. uh, after each party pays a fee of 175 to the arbitrator. The caveat here is the subsidies only available after the parties have first attempted to resolve it through evaluative mediation. So they can't just go straight to voluntary binding and, you know, they have to go through the evaluative mediation first.
0: I see. And uh, that is just per case, right? Like, let's see, you know, unfortunately, let's see one associations hit with maybe a couple of these disputes. Is there any cap on a certain association or no, that's really not how it works?
1: Uh, My understanding is that it doesn't matter. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not like there's a cap per association. It's um, per, you know, mediation or per voluntary arbitration.
0: I see. So, based on the data from uh, these two programs since establishment, how many cases utilized the, uh, you know, this uh, program in recent years? If you have the data available.
1: Yeah. Well, for the um, for the mediation, evaluative mediation. So, we have from two thousand eighteen to two thousand twenty two. Uh, there were two hundred and two evaluative mediations conducted. Mm -hmm. So it started out like in 2018, they had 29, and then by 2022, it had increased to 53. So um, it looks like, you know, it's kind of gained some momentum in the last couple of years. And then with the voluntary binding, this is not utilized as much as uh, mediation. We've only have a handful. And um, I, I don't have the exact number, but it's only a handful.
0: I see um how effective uh, are you know these programs in resolving condominium disputes
1: well i mean the professional consensus is that being exposed to the process and having a neutral mediator or a neutral arbitrator um you know analyze your case and and give the parties an objective look at the situation mm-hmm. um you know which they didn't have before Um, or they wouldn't have if they didn't go to mediation, Um, you know, that that's beneficial. Um, We don't know how many of the cases, you know, that don't reach agreement proceed, you know, whether they then go to court or some other type of um, dispute resolution. But from what we understand, um, that most of the mediated cases don't end up in court and that's a big win you know just that's keeping them yeah keeping them out of court um and as far as the um it, it's pretty much similar with the voluntary binding mm-hmm. um arbitration i think that that's not as popular because you know people have to go through the evaluative and i sort of feel like you know, if you lost an evaluative or not lost, but you know, if, yeah, I mean, if you, if you didn't prevail, um, you know, you may not want to then go to voluntary binding. Um, but still, you know, it's, it's available if you do want to, to, to go that route
0: right yeah just to clarify for our audience because we just did a session last week uh, regarding alternative dispute resolution covering mediation arbitration so typically in the evaluative mediation program there's really no uh winning or losing it's the two parties with assistance of the neutral try to find a resolution which both sides can accept so you know if there's you know meeting meeting in the middle, there's compromises made by both sides, which are which they can lead with, then usually with is, you know, a peaceful resolution through the mediation program. That could be a formal settlement agreement reached, or even if the subsidy exhausted, parties can decide to go into further mediation. Maybe that's why you don't have that additional data once they go to their own voluntary mediation process. If they get the case resolved, maybe that's why they don't need the voluntary binding arbitration. Or, you know, people will may still prefer You know court case they don't want the one time binding you know the risks there a lot of time i think it it also goes with the insurance uh insurer wouldn't prove that you need to put an insurer on notice and you know usually association with tender defense if they are on the defense side and then a lot of the insurers wouldn't just go ahead approve the voluntary binding arbitration if you know, there's also Court Avenue available. This is something that they have to be, you know, danced with shackles with insurance issues as well. Yeah, so uh, I think we have a few minutes left. We want to cover uh, actually two bills uh, pending in the 2023 legislative session. Uh, One is a very interesting one pertaining to planned community associations. As we all know, currently the registrations with your agency is only for condominium associations, but HB 1509, actually the bill, if becomes law, it would uh, you know, establish um, an oversight task force, try to uh, basically evaluate, and determine the feasibility of extending this registration obligation and a counterpart rights available to condominium association now for planned community association members. And also, they want to conduct assessment of the current evaluated mediation and a voluntary binding arbitration programs, how effective they are with the condominium task force. Um, there's another bill, SB729. You know, it would require auditors to conduct sunrise analysis on the proposed regulatory controls for members of the condominium association. Board of directors basically will you know raise the bar. If you want to serve on the condominium board, so they will require REC to develop a curriculum for you know sort of like an education, um, you know, before you can serve on a board, what kind of you know credits of the course you have to take uh so that association board board members will know, you know, get qualified before they can serve. So can you comment on the section's view about this pending two bills? And if these bills become law, how would that impact your section and the current staff workload? Well, I
1: mean, the commission and the branch, we already have an extensive collection of resources for the owners and the board members. Um, you know, on lots of topics, from financial to document requests to, you know, as I mentioned, our our video series. And mm-hmm. I mean, it would increase the workload of our office if um, we do need to create a comprehensive curriculum. Um, but you know we have a substantial amount um i mean we've already done a substantial amount of that work because um we already have a lot of that information it's there Mm -hmm. and um board members really can educate themselves now with all of the information we have it's just that it's on their own time you know it's not mandated but the information's all there and it's all free and it's it's available um, I mean, as as far as a task force, you know, that that's going to definitely draw um, an amount of specialist time if we're going to have to conduct meetings. And also, I'm assuming if, you know, the auditor um, does the sunrise review, that staff is going to need to assist. Mm. But I think that, you know, we want to be, I mean, like I said, our whole mandate is education and we want to be part of the solution. Um, So, you know, studying and discussing the issues with the condo community, I think that's pretty much crucial to ensure the success of any new rules or regulations. Um, Yeah. Sort of getting them involved, you know,
0: yeah, I think that definitely on the other on the, the other side of the spectrum, I've heard a lot of my colleagues, you know, like condo attorneys, fellow condo attorneys, and board directors, some association clients. They often will see it's so hard to get unit owners who are willing to run for the board position because everybody knows it's a volunteer position, often thankless job. You know, usually you know, only take a lot of time, but nobody really appreciates when things go wrong, you always get blamed, even get sued sometimes. So I'm not sure, you know, like how this would play out, but, you know, with the additional requirement of getting, you know, a continued education uh, for serving, whether it will make this problem even worse. Uh, but, you know, just a thought there, my two cents. I tend
1: to agree with you. I tend to think that it's there's sort of some apathy in condo associations and oftentimes it's hard to find people to run for the board. Mm -hmm. And I think having these additional requirements might make that worse.
0: Yeah. I like your, you know, earlier statement about, you know, these, we make these resources available so board directors can learn on their own pace. You know, even if you just require someone take that course, pass it, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, really the They've got it. Right. Because, you know, we've all know how that works, even for right similar thing for realtors, continuing education, not like after you took a course, then you will be perfectly doing your job. You know, it's really depends on whether you are the responsible one. You know, that's why I think the whole election system makes sense. If you're not doing a good job next year, you won't get reelected. Right. So. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, I think our time is uh, is up. Uh, I really appreciate Laurie taking the time, spending with us, uh, you know, sharing all this useful information. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for your work as our state condominium education specialist. Thank you very much.